you have your Bibles this morning and want to open to Lamentations chapter 3, we're going to look there today. When Mark Twain was at the peak of his writing career, it said his magazine and journal articles, they were worth about $5 a word. It was a great sum of money in those days. Well, one enterprising Harvard graduate sent Mark Twain a letter, and he said, Dear Mr. Twain, enclosed, please find $5. Please send me your best word. A few days later, the student received a telegram with this single word response. Thanks. Thanks. Maybe the most valuable word in any language. Certainly it's the word that dominates our thinking during this brief Thanksgiving season. I say brief because our culture just tries to skip right over Thanksgiving and make its way to Christmas. And really the only creatures that are helped in that process are the turkeys. But Thanksgiving, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. Abigail Van Buren published two different letters in her Dear Abby column. Here's the first one from a 15-year-old girl. It says, Dear Abby, happiness is knowing your parents won't kill you if you come home a little late. Happiness is having your own bedroom. Happiness is getting the telephone call you've been praying for. Happiness is something I don't have. Signed, unhappy and ungrateful. Soon after that, a second letter arrived, and here's what it said. Dear Abby, happiness is being able to walk. Happiness is being able to talk. Happiness is being able to see. Happiness is being able to hear. Unhappiness is reading a letter from a 15-year-old who can do all those things, and still she's unhappy. She said, I can see, I can talk, I can hear, but I cannot walk. Signed, a 13-year-old who is happy and grateful. See, for us to understand Thanksgiving from a faith perspective, from a biblical perspective, we have to detach Thanksgiving from our outer circumstances. I mean, Thanksgiving is not just for people that can say, well, I'm better off financially than I was a year ago. I'm healthier than I was. My family is still happy. Things are going great. I mean, think for a moment about the first Thanksgiving in Massachusetts. During the preceding winter, half of the pilgrim colonists died. But friendly Indians taught the pilgrims to fish off the rocky coast, how to plant corn, how to hunt. And the following summer and fall brought such a good harvest, despite all the death and the hardships, they had a three-day Thanksgiving celebration with about 90 Indians as guests. See, real Thanksgiving is, is a declaration of faith concerning the one who is bigger than all of our circumstances. The one who makes all things work together for his good. Real thanksgiving is based on our faith stance, not our circumstance. And I think that's what Paul meant when he told the, the Christians in Thessalonica, he said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He didn't just say give thanks when, when, you, when you think you need to. Give thanks when life's great. Give thanks when the bank account's up and the, everything's running well. Give thanks in all circumstances. So as we think today about Thanksgiving, our, our scripture is kind of an unusual one. 
It's in the uh, book of Lamentations. And I say unusual because th- this book is literally a, a lament, an expression of woe because of this major calamity that's happened. The holy city of Jerusalem is attacked and conquered and destroyed by the Babylonians in 587 B.C. The majestic temple that Solomon built was leveled to the ground. And the best of Israel's citizens were exiled to Babylon. And soon after, some anonymous court official in Jerusalem, a man of deep faith, wrote this profound expression of national distress. But here, right in the middle of all of this woe and all of this heartbreak and all this trauma is this great statement of thanksgiving. Not even the blackness of national disaster could blind this man to the constant goodness of God. And it's on that goodness that he bases his hope for the future. So this morning, let me just share a few thoughts, a few themes of thanksgiving from this scripture in Lamentations and see, can we confirm them from our own experiences? And under each theme, I want to give you a question. I gave you the the papers, they were in your bulletins. Uh, If you don't have one, just raise your hand and they have some extras we'll hand out to you. But, but there's a good question that, that I want you to, to fill in the blanks and write down and ponder on this Thursday. As you're gathering with family or, or friends or, or, or whoever you may be with, I, w- I want you to think about these questions. See, the first theme is God's love is consistent. He says it very clearly, verse 22, chapter 3. It says, because of the Lord's great love... We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. There's another version that says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. God is more dependable than the tides. He's more consistent than the sunrise. Pastor Archer Wallace said, at the request of friends, he went to see an old lady in a home for incurables in a Canadian city. And he found her in a rather bare room and suggested that they go out to the veranda and talk. And she said, oh, I've never been out to the veranda. I have a spinal condition and prevents me from being moved. And he said that seemed like a cruel condition. He asked her how long she had been there and she said 26 years. And he thought of the last 26 years of his life and all that had happened and all that had taken place and He said, you mean you've never been out of this small room in 26 years? She nodded. He was speechless. It seemed like anything he could say would just sound formal and insincere. And then the woman said this, and he'll never forget it. She said, it only comes one day at a time, and God is good. Imagine that. 26 years almost continual suffering. But a gracious God measures out his loving assistance to her one day at a time. So so let me encourage you, don't let this Thanksgiving pass without asking this question. As I look back through the years, what were the crisis points when God's faithfulness made all the difference. 
Think about that. You, you look back through the years of your life and, and what were the crisis points? What were those, those, those moments of, of woe, those moments of when things just seem to be falling apart and they don't make sense? What were those points where you saw God's faithfulness make a difference in your life? Make a difference in how you handled the crisis. Made a difference in how you moved forward. Well, the writer of Lamentations gives us a second reason to be thankful. And it's God's mercies are new each morning. Verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's mercies are new each morning. And God may be consistent, but he's not predictable. God is full of gracious surprises. I mean, God told the prophet Isaiah, I'm about to create new heaven and a new earth. Jesus talks about this new wine being required for new wineskins. He gives us a new commandment. There's a new covenant in his blood. In the book of Revelation, Jesus declares, Behold, I am making all things new. God's love is consistent, but it's always full of newness. And just like the tides, even though they're regular as clockwork, they, they never clean the beach the exact same way. Let me share with you about something happening in the church in Russia. Communist Red Army trucks, trucks that once brought fear to the hearts of Soviet Christians, now are transporting Bibles throughout the Ukraine. A Bible League, it's this scripture placement agency, it's based out of here in the Chicago suburbs, it has leased some of these heavy-duty diesel vehicles to transport Bibles. One church that is serving in Russia told about the work they're doing over there, and the pastor said, much of our work in the former Soviet Union is coordinated by our friend, Dr. Eddie Fox. Eddie is constantly flying back and forth to that area, and he said the churches of that region are full and overflowing. In most of the Russian churches, the elderly ladies, they sit down front. There are a few old men, but over 20 million died in World War II. But he said there's lots of teenagers in the churches. Often there are big Sunday night services and they have Christian rock musicians with all their noisy music. And one of the Russian pastors told Eddie Fox that the music draws the youth. And while there, they offer them the gospel. And Eddie asked him, he said, well, does the, old, does the loud music bother the older folks? And the pastor said, yeah, some don't like it. But he said the most supportive group are the little old ladies who sit down front. He said, of course, though most of them are hard of hearing. Eddie Fox was excited. He returned to the U.S. He landed at the Atlanta airport, and the custom official said, do you have anything to declare? And he said, yes, I declare Jesus Christ is Lord. And the customs official said, well, I declare. There's, there's never a danger of getting bored as you journey with Christ. Discipleship is full of surprises, and it's full of new mercies Every day. So here's the second question that, that I want you to think about on Thanksgiving. I want you to ask. 
And it says, what nice surprise has come my way this past year? I mean, it's easy to look back over the last year and to go, oh, look what happened. Look at the things that failed. Look at the things that aren't working. Look at the things that... But, but can we look back at our last year and go, what? what good surprises came my way? What wonderful blessings did God give to me this past year? The, the final Thanksgiving theme that the writer of Lamentations gives us is this. I will put my trust in the Lord. Verse 24. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. In other words, I have seen so many of God's mercies in the past that I know I can continue to trust him for the future. Some time ago, Sports Illustrated printed an interview with Pittsburgh Pirate outfielder Andy Vance Lyke. And he talked about a tragedy that happened in their home. He said their three-year-old son Jared was discovered by his five-year-old brother floating face down in a bathtub. Somehow, the 55-pounder managed to pull his 33-pound brother from the tub and yelled for mom. A neighbor called 911. An ambulance got there and miraculously, Jared was revived. After spending one night in the hospital, he was back to normal. Talking about that experience later, Andy Van Slyke, this devout Christian, said this, If Jared had died, it would have been like a nail driven into a two-by-four. There would have been terrible pain and anguish. And if you pull the nail out, there's still a hole. He said, but my belief in Jesus Christ is such that he would have filled that hole. He said, Jesus would have been the wood putty. <laughs> See, that's a Christian's perspective on the future. God is bigger than any problem I can ever have. God is, <laughs> is more capable of handling any situation than I can possibly imagine. And nothing is ever able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So here's the third Thanksgiving question. Ask yourself this. What is a fear I have about the future? We all have them, don't we? We, we look at our world today and we see where it's going and we see the chaos and we think of our children, we think of our grandchildren, we think of our church, of our community. We think, what's it going to be like in five years, ten years, twenty years? What are, the, what are the fears I have about the future? And when you think about that, tell God what it is and then add this word. Even if the worst should happen, even then your grace would be sufficient. Even if the worst should happen, even then your grace would be sufficient. I read about this couple, Mary, Louise, and Jim. They had one child, Jimmy. 
Jimmy is about 30 years old and he's mentally handicapped and spends most of his time in an institution. But he's with them occasionally on weekends. And they love their son and, and he's progressed far beyond what the experts ever thought was possible. Well, Mary was given the chance one Thanksgiving Sunday to offer a brief witness in worship. And with a beautiful smile and a joyous spirit, she praised her all-sufficient God. And this was her last sentence. As she spoke it, they said there wasn't a dry eye in the sanctuary. She said, I'm thankful for a husband who loves me and lets me know it. I'm thankful for a son whose childlike faith never ceases to inspire me. She said, truly, my cup runneth over. Real thanksgiving, truly being thankful, honors the one who is our security. Even if the ground beneath us is shaking and crumbling before us. Real thanksgiving lifts up Christ who is sufficient, whatever the future may bring. So let me ask you, are you truly thankful? Are you truly thankful for all that God has given you? All that he has blessed you with? Are you thankful most for, for your salvation? That he has offered to you through the death of his son on the cross? If you are, that's the message you need to share. That's the hope we need to be giving to others in our lives. The hope of salvation. Or maybe this morning, you need that hope of salvation. And you need to surrender your life to him. If that's what you desire, I invite you to come.